0: For me, product means we're serving our customers. So we are solving customer problems. We need to understand our customers and then go and build something, a solution for them, taking their context and their lives into account. We're not building an app. We're building a solution for customers. And if I put myself on the other side, not on the customer side, but the company side, I am not building an app and I'm releasing. By the time I tell the CEO, hey, we are ready to release this feature. That doesn't mean the app is ready. That means the whole company is ready. Therefore, product also plays a role in leading the company, the other teams to say, hey, is marketing ready? Are the operations teams ready? Fraud, compliance, legal, every single part of the organization needs to be ready to launch. It's Mm -hmm. not just launching an app. It is end-to-end, so... It is very exciting to be in product at this time.
1: Hey, I'm Danny Levy and you're listening to Digital Transformation and Leadership. This is the show where we go behind the scenes with today's top business leaders to understand how they're digitally transforming their company. My guest kicking off season four is Monica Malares, a product leader and women advocate who has spent the last decade building great product in the fintech space. She believes in financial safety for all and that the future of fintech is to make fintech more human. Monica moved to Malaysia as part of BigPay's founding team to help launch and grow what is now one of the fastest-growing neobanks in Southeast Asia, with 1.37 million transacting users. Prior to Big Pay, she steadily progressed from junior analyst in big brands like Visa and Barclaycard to being one of the first joiners in UK Challenger Tandem Bank. Monica helped build the digital bank from scratch and worked with Tandem's CEO on strategic initiatives and board management. She sits on the board of PayEd, Education in Payments, and she's recognized as Singapore's fintech 65 product leaders and women in fintech. Monica is also a podcaster and hosts the purpose-driven fintech podcast and mentors young professionals. My interview with Monica is coming up next, Monica. Welcome to Digital Transformation and Leadership.
0: Hi, Danny. It's my pleasure being here. Thank you so much for the invite.
1: Yeah, my pleasure as well. So glad you could you could join me for what is the first episode of season four after I after I took four months off the podcast the first time since I started it in in twenty twenty. But good reason started a new role at Money twenty twenty and and that's how we got connected as well. So really good to have you on. To to kickstart season four, and I know it's going to be a fantastic episode.
0: Thank you. I'm honored to be the first guest of Big <laughs> <Ditchison. laughs>
1: So, um, just before we start, Monica, could you quickly introduce yourself and and what it is you're doing with Big Pay?
0: Yeah, so I am Monica Millares. I'm originally from Mexico, but by now I'm like a global citizen. Uh, so I lived in the UK for nine years, then I've been in Asia for almost six years. Mm-hmm. And for the past seven or so years, I've crafted myself an entrepreneurial career building neo banks from scratch. So I was one of the first joiners in Tandem Bank in the UK when fintech was mm-hmm. just getting started, okay. and that was like the foundation of my fintech career. And then a few years later, this opportunity came up to move to Malaysia and build one of the very first digital banks or well, neo banks in mm-hmm. the region. So I've been with BigPay since the very, very beginning. Uh, my expertise is product. So I I consider myself like the mom, you <laughs> the <laughs> mom of Big Pay. Like I build the product from scratch. So that has been my role since the very beginning. Like talking to customers, understanding the market, growing the team, hiring the team. Um, so it's been a journey because it started from launching the company mm-hmm. to now being one of the top five players in the country. So Amazing. now we're the big guys. So it's super, super cool.
1: And how have you found that shift between being one of the first people on the ground and now the business is growing? Uh, it, it, it's a bit of a change in mindset, isn't it? It's the it is, company does get more established.
0: It is. And I love it because like when you start the company, you're very hands-on. I'm still very hands-on, but it's like very rough of start to pee, you don't have any resources, you don't know what you're doing, and you probably don't have a team. So you're mm-hmm. doing everything and anything. And then over time, I always say like, oh, this company changes every six to nine months. I feel like I'm in another company. Yeah. Because the the pace at which we're growing is super fast. So right now, like the product team or like all the teams, we have grown now. We're about 200 people by now. And then the how we interact with each other and we need to put more Best practices in place, like let's say right now I'm working on the product playbook so that we ensure that it's not just how two or three people do one digit thing really well, but how do we embed that across the organization so that everyone can grow uh, and do like great, great work in the organization. So it changes, it changes all the time. And I think that's one of the most exciting things from for being in a company for such a long time from scratch to to like big player. And definitely, some mindset you always need to adapt, adapt, learn, adapt. Yes. And have resilience. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have, have to. Yeah, you have to.
1: Yeah. Every day can throw something new at you, and you've got to have that growth mindset, right? If you want to keep moving forward. I'm always interested, Monica, because product. When I hear like head of product or I'm in product, um, it can mean different things sometimes in different companies. I just wondered, a big pay like. What does an average day look like for you and and what are kind of your key responsibilities?
0: (laughs) There's no average day for me. (laughs) So you're right. Like product can mean so many different things for different people. For some people, product means we're building an app. For me, product means we need to, we're serving our customers. So we are solving customer problems. We need to understand our customers and then go and build something, a solution for them, taking their context and their lives into account. We're not building an app. We're building a solution for customers. And if I put myself on on the other side, not on the customer side, but the company side, I am not building an app and I'm releasing. By the time I tell the CEO, hey, we are ready to release this feature, Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean the app is ready. That means the whole company is ready. Therefore, product also Plays a role in leading the company, the other teams, to say, hey, is marketing ready? Are the operations teams ready? Fraud, compliance, legal, every single part of the organization needs to be ready to launch. It's not just launching an app. Yeah, It is end to end. And of course, like reporting, uh, finance, profitability, like it's properly end to end. So it is very exciting to be in product at this time.
1: Very exciting, changing mindsets and and winning hearts so everyone's ready to ready to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I
0: I think I think you you put it the right way. It's yeah. like it's not only about the thinking and the process and the work, but it's mm-hmm. the heart. Mm. And I think that's one of the things I love about BigPay. Like we have a very big heart. <laughs> yeah. We all love what we do, so that's reflected in the day to day. Like I love the team, and uh, I think it's because of that. Because we, we put our efforts into what we do.
1: I love the way you put it. Got a really cool topic to unpack today. But before we get into it, um, I wanted to ask you an icebreaker question. Uh, and since it's season four, um, I'm changing up a little bit for this series. And, and we're going to be doing a, a series of rapid rapid fire icebreaker questions. Five to be exact. So are you Ready. I'm ready. Okay. Nervous, but ready. Drum roll <laughs> Here we go. Monica, what is your strongest skill?
0: Oh, I'm a people's person. I bring the best out of people. I get them excited about what we do. I get excited about what we do. <laughs> and that's it.
1: How how would your friends describe you?
0: Uh energetic, kind, with a big heart and a lot of light.
1: <laughs> I'm sensing a pattern here. Um have you ever met one of your heroes? Plenty. Uh,
0: so I had a, I had a phase in life that I was huge into personal development. Mm -hmm. So I went to a lot of conferences, I went to a lot of seminars and in each of them kind of like, I was like, oh, Simon Sinek. Oh my God, I'm seeing Simon Sinek. I spoke with Simon Sinek. He signed my book. You know, like I've had many of those moments, but I think over the years, and this is going to sound cliche, but Mm. I think my Two heroes that I did not meet because of a book mm-hmm. is two heroes that they were my bosses. Okay. My two ex-bosses in tandem, Ricky and a, they, over the years, they kind of played that figure of a hero because they trained me basically. So much yeah. more than I met a hero from a book, but it's like these two people in my life became so influential that it's like, I respect them. Oh, yeah. Me.
1: yeah. But that when when you get a, a boss like that, it really can change your whole trajectory in life, can't it? It does. Yeah. It does, it does. Yeah. I've had the same. Has a has a book ever changed your life?
0: Yes. <laughs> it's not just one book. So I have a story for you. Like okay. when I moved from the UK to Malaysia, <laughs> you know I'm packing and everything. Mm-hmm. My friend was like, Are you really taking your books? I had like a hundred or hundred and fifty books. In my, okay. in my wow. room, and I was <laughs> like, my answer was like, they are my friends.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> like they are coming with me. So okay. yeah, I I like studying, I like learning. So I cannot tell you like these one book changed mm-hmm. my life. It's more of all of these books became my friends over the years, and I love them all.
1: Yes, really like that. It that uh, it's an investment, isn't it? Making yes. time to read. Uh, yes, not the other way around. Um. What is the best place you've ever traveled to as a as a global citizen? Many, of course, mm-hmm.
0: and within Asia, there's plenty. But the one that stole my heart is Laos. Okay. There's there's a there's a little village called Luang Prabang, mm-hmm. and there's some magic to it. I don't know. It's it's a it's not that touristy yet. It's by the Mekong River. It's like very virgin, but at the same time, like that in that trip. I did, I spent a day with the elephants in okay. a sanctuary in the jungle. This is not like the, the very touristy, uh, sanctuaries. It mm-hmm. was more like freestyle. So basically I went to with the elephants. Like I spent a day hanging out with them and that was absolutely awesome. Like yeah. one of the best life experiences. Amazing.
1: Wonderful. Wonderful. I've only I've only spent about forty five minutes in Laos when I did the the Golden Triangle in Thailand. Mm, so it uh, sounds yes, like I need yes. to yeah, look you need in to some go more back. time. Yeah, yeah,
0: you need to go back.
1: <laughs> Wonderful, thank thank you for sharing and and making it through in one piece. <laughs> Those rapid fire questions. It's
0: yeah, not that scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: re- re- really yeah. like the insights. Thank you so I much. Do. So, um, changing pace, we're going to get into the the topic for today. Uh, mm. We're talking about the future of fintech. And why that future is human. And uh, we've got several points to unpack. Really, really excited to get into it with you. And um, so just to kick us off, I thought it'd be nice if we could talk if you could talk about the work you're doing at Big Pay and how the topic today aligns with the impact that it will have in Asia.
0: Yeah. So Big Pay, for anyone that doesn't know us, um, we are a neobank, let's say. Mm-hmm. And then our mission is to elevate people's lives, right? To yeah. kind of like take Southeast Asia and it's like people that are under financial stress worldwide. So our job is to say, how can we help you create the life that you want one transaction at a time, you know, like from your finances as such. So that's the work we do as an organization. And of course, this is not the exact paraphrase of of the, of the yeah. company mission. This is my interpretation as such. Uh, so that's the work that we do. And then, I think big pay has a very important role in the region. Mm-hmm. When I decided to move here, like, like you say, like I have a global citizen kind of view. I came from Mexico living in the UK. And then when the opportunity came to move to Asia, I was like, oh, actually, Mexico and Malaysia are quite similar. Both of them are developing countries, emerging markets. And then they share common traits. And one of the things that I saw in Mexico since growing up, it was like, hey, there's a lot of inequality, for example. There's a lot of, oppor- and that inequality is bad. But at the same time today, we're like, that is a great opportunity for growth. There, mm-hmm. There's a lot of unbanked people, underserved people. Yeah. And I saw the same in Asia. So the role of Big Pay or another fintech in emerging markets is to take this population, the mass, let's say, and then bring them up. Yeah, financially speaking because then when people are financially stable strong have better control of their money then their whole life and the and the not just their life like the life of their families and as such of the community as such improves overall so i think the 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 role that we play is way bigger than just financial tools it is having real impact in people and then having real impact in society as a result
1: yes yeah yeah really really like the way that you put that and uh totally agree on the kind of underbanked and underserved uh, across southeast asia um yeah. and i guess with, with everything that's going on in the world at the moment um got the geopolitical um events uh inflation is at an all-time high um tensions uh, globally as well. Um, it seems like everyone's under more and more financial stress. I'm interested kind of, again, going back to the last point, but also kind of getting your thoughts on this and and what that means for kind of middle class, but, you know, working class and, and, and everyone in between.
0: Yes. So I think when, I want to make reference to like two concepts. Mm-hmm. One is financial inclusion. That basically this covers people who are not properly in the banking system, let's say. Mm-hmm. Actually, BCG, Boston Consulting Group and QED, they just released a um, report on the future of, of finance as such. It's called Reimagining the Future of Finance. Yeah. And basically in that report, they say that roughly 80% of the population is either underfunded or unbanked as such that it would put that in context that is like huge 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 and then it's like i think there's two distinctions between underbanked and unbanked unbanked is it's more on financial inclusion right like you do not have access to financial services and wait for them past many years we've been focusing on that segment okay however I think in the past five years or so, the other concept is the unbanked. When the fintechs were starting, let's say in the UK, we were like, hey, banks are not doing a, well, a good job serving our customers, right? Like people mm-hmm. are getting all these fees um, and that's it. But it was like when fintech started, that narrative was like fintechs versus bank mm-hmm. to help customers. But over the years, with financial crises, with rising cost of living, and everything, it seems like the narrative has even changed even more. Oof. The on bank, sorry, the under bank, yeah, is becoming your day to day average person, mm. middle class, which that's becoming an issue. So, for example, you and and, and the impact is I as a human. Mm. I am living under constant stress, financial stress. And then the impact is I am not living my best life. And if we want to evolve as a society, we need to grow people. We need, we need to give them like the space to create, right? Like to live life with dignity, not life with stress. And it can be as simple as if, if I use like a, a use case, let's say, if you are a parent in Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. And your um little boy got sick. you took him to the hospital. yeah. and then basically, a, probably the insurance didn't pay for everything. And now it's like, hey, did you have that buffer of three to six months or emergency buffer? Yes, mm-hmm. no, That makes a bit different. But even if you did, this is like a major expense, right? So of course you're going to look out of after your family, you're getting in debt now to pay the hospital. And then month and month for the next six to nine months, you're playing catch up.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And then the impact that it has on the, let's say the breadwinner yeah. of the family, that is huge. And therefore the impact that it has in the whole family is huge. So I just think that um, like us doing good financial services, uh-huh. we impact society a lot, like people are genuinely under financial stress. And that's one part. But the other one, you have the for example, the travelers. Mm-hmm. Let's say. People okay. that are not so tight. Yeah. So it's like, hey, I wanted to travel. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, I wanted to do all these. Or and I'm like, oh, I cannot travel that much. Yeah. Or another one, it's like, I wanted to continue my studies and do professional education. Oh, I wanted to go to money twenty twenty. But now it's um Or a discomfort or, you know, like study something else to advance my career and my life. But with all these increase in the cost of living and salaries not going up, you're like, oh, I cannot, I can't, I cannot do that anymore. I need to focus on my day-to-day and I feel restricted as such. Hence, fintechs, well, financial institutions, we have a responsibility to help people because... There's research across the world that it is not about the amount of money that you make.
1: Yeah.
0: It is about the how you manage your money. So if we as an industry help people manage their money better, we educate them. And of course, all the apps serve as tools to help them build habits. And these habits are built around my personal goals. Then we're going to see change and that's why I say that the future is human right because it's not about releasing a feature it's not a it's not about releasing a budgeting app like budgeting apps exist since I'm a kid mm-hmm. it is about putting those tools in context of people to help them have behavioral change
1: thanks for unpacking all of that and talking talking us through it and um, just wanted to ask you a question and and this can be quite a taboo topic, can't it? I mean, even as everyone's kind of in the same boat, I guess, with a lot of these pressures and under increased kind of financial strain and stress and, and having to make sacrifices or, um, you know, really getting landed with unexpected bills. You, you gave the hospital hmm. example and that can really kind of knock you back, right? Something like that was to happen in, in yeah. terms of your savings and, and quality of life. But, but, but money is a very personal thing. And typically people don't like to talk about it in public or how they're doing, or if they're having to make sacrifices. And you mentioned around the role financial institutions have to play. I just wondered, how do you kind of bridge that gap? How do you get people to, to I guess, open up about it or, or to make it a priority?
0: That's a great question. Um, so there is a lot of, and you use the right word, there is a lot of taboo around money. And then... It is taboo because, well, there's a lot of limiting beliefs around money as well.
1: Mm. So it's
0: like, if you make a lot of money, oh, you're rich. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't make a lot of money, then you're like, oh, you're bored. <laughs> so yeah. It's like, it's oh.
1: Some, sometimes some of the people with the biggest houses and the Gucci belts and the, the flash cars, actually, they're the ones that are in the most financial distress.
0: Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so it's like a thing from, this is not a banking thing. This yes. is a society thing. We have like this taboo or this view about money. And we do not talk about money, right, mm-hmm. as, as, a, as a community, as a society. So one of the things is, for example, and this is very common in, in Southeast Asia. Uh, let's say that we go out together and uh, we pay the bill, then we pay the bill. But of course, someone is going to pay for the bill, right? And
1: yeah. then this
0: someone pays. And in theory, he or she needs to go back to the friends and ask them to pay them back. Okay, That is something you cannot not do. Like, it is embarrassing to ask your friends for money. So that's a very specific use case and people do it. So now technology is breaching that gap because then you have the QR code or request money and then it's like, ooh, you remove the awkwardness about money. But that's an example of, on how the taboo reflects in day-to-day life. But the other challenge that I see is given that we do not talk about money,
1: mm-hmm.
0: we do not talk about the struggles of money. Yeah. And we do not talk about the what's working for me when managing my money either. And then we know we as humans, we are sociable beings, and we learn with stories, we learn in groups, we learn by sharing. Mm-hmm. So we are missing out. So everybody has this problem that no one is talking about. And then everyone is trying to figure out on them themselves. And we're in isolation mm-hmm. doing this. Of course, that is hard. But there's a lot of shame around the, the Topic of money, people don't want to talk about it publicly. That I'm in debt or yeah. that I'm overspending. Maybe I may not be in debt, but I'm not saving. Or maybe I, or maybe I am not. I'm not ready for retirement, right? And mm-hmm. and I have all these like anxiety around the future about retirement. It's like it's very yeah, yeah. personal.
1: It is. And, it, and it, hit, it hits you every time you open your laptop as well, doesn't it? Or your phone. You go on social media and oh, they're doing this and they're doing that, and you're on Instagram and. Oh, Dave's traveled to the Maldives. How are they doing that? And it adds to that kind of mental stress, doesn't it, of trying to keep up?
0: Yes, so it's very emotional. Mm. And and with emotional, I mean it's like emotionally charged. And usually it's not in a positive way. So it's negatively emotionally charged. So the role of fintechs and the role of financial services, in my opinion, is to start building trust, Mm -hmm. to start creating a safe space to talk about money. So that then people are like, oh, it's okay, right? Like sometimes it happens to me, let's say when I am doing uh, user research and I don't know, I'm in a group with different people and we start talking about how they manage their money. The next time that it's my time, like in Monica's personal life, the next time that I'm managing my money, I'm like, oh, let me try that thing that he said. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, I think that's better. But yes. it's because there I've had a safe space to talk about money without judgment uh-huh. and then to learn from each other, so that's something that I've noticed as i as I facilitate all these workshops' let's say uh-huh. but then what if we were to take that concept of creating safe spaces for people to talk about money and it's all about trust and ecological safety applied at a mass market global level, so that yeah. we have a change in consciousness so that then people can really talk about money in a free-of-judgment way. Yeah. Therefore, when we do that mindset change, everything changes. Not about technology, not about product, it's not about tools, it's about mindset change, it's about humans. It yeah.
1: do, do you see, I mean, I guess either face-to-face or over digital platforms, does that exist at the moment? Do you think there are these safe places where people can come together and share openly and honestly and get the best advice or is there still is there still some way to go
0: oh definitely there's like (laughs) huge 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 way to go but i think as society changes and now we have like the rise of uh content creators the rise of communities as such i've seen there's uh community professional communities not a tiktok community like professional communities that are designed to educate people around well-being.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then in these communities, whether that is uh, face-to-face groups or if it's just a WhatsApp group, that I'm even part of one of those uh, WhatsApp group. Yeah. You see how people start talking about their goals and their challenges and it's like, hey, I have a problem with my teenage daughter. <laughs> You know, and, and and they open up about the challenges with the teenage daughter and money. And then you have like the rest of the this uh, group of women. Mm-hmm. So you have the rest of the women kind of like adding value for it. And you're like, that is interesting. Yeah. So I think, but that is like a very small group. Let's say it's like 100 people group. Mm-hmm. But if we were to be able to replicate that, that could be us. And I think we have, yeah. this is like greenfield. We have not done that.
1: Yeah, no, it can, it can be really powerful. I know Money 2020 has a, a platform called Do Better Together, which is all about mm-hmm. um, women in the workforce within financial services and empowerment and, and how they um, can get recognized for all the amazing work that they're doing. And it's something similar. It's a, it's a safe space. It's a private group. They come together and they share case studies and real-life examples and have open conversations, and it can be extremely powerful to do it that is. in that kind of environment. But I think there, there is a bit of a gap here, isn't there, around, I guess, the more kind of personal implications of managing money and, and, and how to best uh, budget and allocate things and still live your best life, right? But, but, exactly. but being mindful of it and, and being able to talk about it.
0: Yes, and I think the secret, not the secret, the challenge
1: mm-hmm.
0: for these communities going forward is like, A, creating them and create that trust. Why do yeah. I want to open up? To talk about my money, so that's key. But the second challenge is like these communities they thrive because they are based on a very niche type of person. Yeah. So my persona is different to your persona. And then it's uh and it will be different how someone from rural Africa talks about their money versus someone in the UK or someone in Japan or someone in Singapore, or Mexico. Yeah. So that's how we do that community building. I think it's not at a, a big bank global level, not even, let's say, a Ktharna and their community. It has to be very customer driven based on groups that have an identity that share something in common. And then we bring financial services to them.
1: Mm-hmm agree, yeah,
0: something along those lines, yeah. this is a very good conversation by the way, <laughs>
1: <I've
0: never laughs> talked about the report. I'm like, oh, this is good
1: <laughs> <laughs> thank you so i I wanted to bring it back as well, Monica, because you touched on the unbanked and you were saying that it was the underbanked where big pay had had its lens kind of targeted on and and now the unbanked is is becoming more important um interested to just maybe go a little bit deeper there on. Some of the challenges you see with the the completely underbanked, and and how you kind of move them forward in terms of their upward mobility.
0: <laughs> so, I am quoting a report from uh, BCG and based on the World Bank. So, mm-hmm. there's 1.5 billion adults that are unbanked.
1: Yeah, amazing! That's huge, huge,
0: huge! huge. 1.5 billion adults are not part of the financial services Mm -hmm. industry. So before I go into the solution on how we could do it and bring them on board, I'll go into the future. Like, imagine a world where these 1.5 billion people did have access to a bank account and they can manage their money and they can save and they have goals and they can achieve them and then they can, you know, like, yeah. Go to uni or any education and yeah. travel and build a business and have credit and You
1: mean you mean all the things we take for granted.
0: Exactly. Yeah. These one point five billions of unbanked people. Mm-hmm. They're a huge opportunity, not business wise well they are, but like social capital wise, like we have one point five billion people who have not tapped even the basic of their potential.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Of all the things that we take for granted. So that is like huge. It has the power to change the world on its own if we were to bring them with the rest of the people who are banned. But then, the how we do it? Ha, that's True. the million, of the, million yeah, yeah. dollar question. $1 the, billion
1: dollar question. Yeah, 1.5 <laughs> yeah, billion.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Question <laughs> times 10. Yeah. Um, so the billion dollar question is how do we bring the unbanked on board? And I think the answer is collaboration. Okay. There is no way one single institution is going to do this on their own. It's a huge problem because it's not just about giving everyone a ban, right? It's mm. about educating people. It's about ensuring that why understanding why are they unbanned? What's the brick cause? You know, like, and now we have like digital bands. You don't even need to have a band, a brand in your community to to bank with us. Yeah. But it's like, what is the root cause? Why are there so many people that are on ban, And which other problems do they have? Is it like, do they live in communities without electricity, Wasn't water, it- basic sewage, you know, like...
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They might not be technology uh, literate as well, right? They might not know, even know how to, to get onto the internet, use a smartphone, access a I digital do, bank.
0: What? Yeah, I would challenge that because, <laughs> like, adoption of mobile phones worldwide is about 80%. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's
1: like, You're these people the don't have phones. Exactly. Exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't have <laughs> phones.
0: They don't have phones, so... But at the same time, they are unbound. So we need governments. We need... Yeah. uh infrastructure, we need the big banks, we need uh, education plans, we need fintechs to come together and have a project to designed to solve a very specific problem. And we've seen this happening. So in Malaysia, yeah. during COVID, uh, the government, the Ministry of Finance, they did an amazing initiative where they were basically Gigging, giving funds to the Jews but what they did is mm-hmm. they did it they distributed the funds through the top five wallets oh. including us right uh, and then basically not only we they were giving money to young people but they restricted how the money could be used so you could not just go and take it out of the ATM like there were certain categories that you could use or not use the money and I bring that as a reference point, because what it showed was that we had an institution as a ministry of finance, we had the fintechs, we had technology providers, and all of us were working together under insane timelines to bring these solutions to life. We had a common goal. Okay. And I was like, this is really cool. Yeah. This is innovation in action and it's having impact in society, like What if we were to do this, like, be worldwide, you know, like, it can be done. It has been proven that it can be done. But of course, you will challenge me, like, someone listening will be like, hey, Monica, but that's very expensive. Like, yes. So we need to do the, uh, this is where collaboration comes in, because it's not just about bringing them up but it's like, we as fintechs, we need to survive, right? We are... (laughs) We need to focus on profitability as well. So how do we do all this work such that it's a win-win-win-win-win-win situation? Mm -hmm. Such that uh, pure capitalism, such that we all make money out of this as well. Mm That the the, unit economic score. That uh, both in the present and in the lifetime value of the customer. Lifetime value, I'm sure it will work, but it's like. It may not work in the short term. We'll have to test and experiment. So it's like, how do we fund all these? What's the business model behind it? So that's why I say we need to bring the whole industry together to solve this problem. And the, how we do it? Again, it, collaboration, have clear um, problem statements, understanding what is it is that we're solving for, and in a very start to way. Well, that's the vision. Let's now break the elephant in many slices and then go we'll eat one slice at a time. And each slice, we experiment, we have hypotheses, we work together. And that's it. We have one slice. This is a long-term game. And then we go to the next one and the next one, and we start building and collaborating. Yeah. I all the principles of building a startup, but at a world level. Um, yeah. You
1: mentioned around um the role fintech has to play uh, in, in initiatives like this. I guess mm-hmm. just for... For, for fintechs who are listening in and, and there's a difference. There's the big incumbent fintechs and then there's the more nimble fintechs, maybe the newer players mm-hmm. that don't quite yet have the those same levels of funding. H- how 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 do you think they need to be thinking about this in terms of the role they have to play?
0: Purpose. <laughs> um oh I just recorded a, a podcast episode that it's okay. all about purpose and I brought a. Uh, a purpose expert to the show. Okay. And basically what he's telling us is we think that we're building this fintech to solve a problem and we're differentiating ourselves Mm -hmm. in the world. But if I am a nimble fintech that's just getting started or an established one and I'm like, hey, why am I here? Right? Mm -hmm. Like what's our purpose? But at the same time, if we go deeper, then... Basically, we need to say, what are our capabilities that we have? Be very critical with who we are. What's our identity? What's, what are the capabilities that we have? And what is the unique way in which we're going to solve this problem? And is this problem worth solving? You know what? We're going to yes. go through all this pain. Is the impact that we're going to have, like, you know, like, good enough or not? Is it worth doing this? So that's the first thing to think about it's like why did you exist why are you uniquely placed to make a difference
1: yeah you better you better know that the problem you solve is big enough before you build the company or the product exactly don't do it the other way exactly (laughs) exactly
0: so that's the starting point like have your clear purpose Mm -hmm. and and the why you're doing this but at the same time you need to be smart yeah and then uh culture company culture plays a huge role so ensure that you are creating an, an environment that is that has psychological safety mm-hmm. for everyone to be able to open up and say, hey, dudes, this is not working. Mm-hmm. Or, hey, how about we do this? You know, like create that space for everyone to feel heard mm-hmm. and that they can contribute. And at the same time, create a part of culture, create a high performance culture where it's mm-hmm. like, hey. The the thing that I saw in common between the two founders that I work with
1: mm-hmm.
0: is that they both had this sense of urgency, right? Okay. It's like urgency because if we don't, <laughs> it's in a positive and negative way, right? It's like, if we don't deliver this, like we're going to die. Like we will not have investors, no. like we're gone. So there's, and I think that's the exciting bit about startups as well, like you have this sense of urgency that you have to do this. You don't have the luxury of a big fan, with a big budget and teams of 30 people working in a project. You have like one or two people. Go do it. Eat the world. Like yeah. be aggressive in that sense and build that high performance culture tied to purpose. It's not just go deliver deliver. It's like build that that ecosystem within the company. Yes. And then number two, do focus on implementing best practices slash ways of working that supports that journey. So if you're going to build a fintech, it's like, hey, it is equally important to have an amazing product machine, Mm -hmm. an amazing tech machine, and a legal machine, and someone looking after fraud. So every single department, is very important. So do focus on how they work together as well. And, And the right word is focus as well. Uh, So it's like, (laughs) they need to contribute, they need to work together, they need to focus on these things that we are working on right now. And stop doing all the distractions. Focus, 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 focus. And probably, that's how you go fast. And don't be scared of breaking things. Mm -hmm. That's why the culture of psychological safety is important. Yes. Like, you have to break things and you have to... Learn as you go. Learn as you go. You'll figure it out. That's why culture is important because that culture is the foundation of the work that you're doing. Yes. It's Not evidence, but it's like looking back. It's because of that culture that you can build resilience and high performance and continue to go.
1: Yeah. When your foot's hard down on the accelerator, things are going to break, and you have to <laughs> have that that good culture, don't you? That that that's okay as long as exactly. you as long as you learn from that breakage and. Exactly. It yeah, hands.
0: it's uh yeah, no blame culture no. like this broke, oh shoot, we need to yeah. fix it <laughs> rather than yeah. oh my god, who did that? Yeah. It's a uh, this broke. Oh my god, okay, what's staying back? Let's do yeah.
1: it. Yeah, but that's how you build excellent companies and, and excellent products. and um, Monica mm. really, really enjoyed the conversation with you with you. Likewise. Today. Um, Thank you. Yes, yeah, such so many amazing points there for the listeners to take away and, and I've got a four or five pages full of notes here as well. So I'll be reading up on those afterwards also. And just before we finish, um, just wanted to ask you two final questions about your career. Um, The first one is, would you be able to share one life or career lesson with the listeners?
0: Yes. Um, Comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Comfort zone is the killer. It's not your pulse, not the economy. It's not the company. It's not your salary. You (laughs)
1: what? <laughs> it's <Yeah>. like <laughs>
0: you need to get out of your comfort zone and the moment that you feel stuck and you're like uh, the problem is that you are not growing you're not stretched like the energy is like stopping me so and that's because you've been sitting in your comfort zone you need to actively look for new challenges and that uh, you never know what where, where that's going to end probably for you danny and i it's like we were in our comfort zone during covid we start to the podcast. And now yes. we're like, oh, this is so nice. amazing. <laughs> right. Yeah. I still look <laughs> uh... back on
1: that as being a crazy decision with two small children in the house locked it's in a home. But uh why not? And look look yeah. where we are now. <laughs> yeah.
0: So it's like exactly comfort zone is the killer. So yeah.
1: I completely yeah. agree. It's a bit, little bit um intimidating to be slightly out of your depth, but if you're slightly out of your depth, that's probably the moment where you're Learning the most, trying the most new things and, and really pushing yourself forward, right? And getting noticed as well. People will mm-hmm. take notice of that, wouldn't they, most importantly. It's sexy. Yeah. No, excellent advice. Really, really agree there. And lastly, um, and I think probably the most important for, for the listeners out there, what what advice would you give for people that are just starting out in the industry?
0: Get started. Be curious. <laughs> Yes, because many people get into analysis paralysis. Hmm. Um, so you don't need to get a job in fintech to start being part of the fintech community. Yeah. That's what I mean with get started. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's plenty of Discord channels. There's plenty of, you know, like uh, YouTube, podcasts, newsletters. Get yourself educated. Understand the 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 problem statements. Fall in love with the industry. Because, for example, sometimes I interview new joiners,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and when, they, when I ask them, so why do you want to join, right? Great, even like, why fintech? And the answer is, oh, because that's the future. And <laughs> I'm like, hmm, that is not like, I don't see a passion, right? It's more of a, everybody thinks fintech is sexy, which is not.
1: Mm.
0: It's complex. And we're solving real problems. It's not that it's like sexy and trendy. It is yeah. like a very important part of, the, of, of our society as such like financial lives, but then if I would be trying to get into fintech right now, it's so uh, right now there's no barriers to knowledge. There's mm. so much there out there on, the internet. So it's like embed yourself in all this knowledge that is out there in the internet and then start connecting with people in the industry go to the event you know like uh join the discord channels talk to people and then eventually basically you will start getting a strong understanding about what the industry is about because we are about helping people we're not about launching uh technology products as such
1: yeah yeah fantastic monica thank you again for for coming on digital transformation and leadership and and sharing all of your career lessons and and insights about the future of fintech and why it's more human, uh, with the audience. And um, how can people get in touch if they if they want to connect with you if they want to find out more?
0: Thank you, Danny. I am very active on social media, mm. so I have a podcast uh, that is fintech specific and product specific. So it's uh, purpose driven fintech, building products with impact. So you can find the podcast in all the major. Uh, podcasting channels.
1: yeah we'll have, put a link to it in the show notes as well
0: thank you i also have a youtube channel i have a newsletter uh, that is a customer fintech customers and innovations It's the weekly newsletter that i post on linkedin and of course you can find me on linkedin and tiktok uh, you can also book time with me i'm very active on the mentoring space so i do give free mentoring half an hour uh, whether you're a newbie for you're in the industry, you're in front of, you're a founder, it doesn't matter. Like, it's just good to have a chat. So just go to my LinkedIn page and you have, you'll find the link to my calendar. You can just book time with me.
1: Amazing. You're so generous. I don't know. Thank you. Yeah. You're making me feel bad that I don't have a, a calendar where people can book time with me. But if you if you want to know more on the industry and, and you want to uh, get to know Monica more, I highly encourage you to to get in touch. So thank you for for tuning in. Thanks for listening to episode one of our season four. And thank you, Monica, again, for for coming on the show. Thank you, Benny. You've made it to the end of another episode of Digital Transformation and Leadership. If you're enjoying the show, please do leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. No need to leave a written review. Just clicking on the five stars is enough. I'd really appreciate it as it helps the show get found and it helps those listener numbers grow. And we'll be back again next week when we will again go behind the scenes with another top business leader to understand how they're digitally transforming their company. A Digital Transformation and Leadership Podcast is a Blue Aurora Media Production.
0: Thanks so much for listening. Your time and energy means a lot. If you want to support the show, remember to give it a follow and DM me to get in touch. I promise I do respond.